Gaming on the Frontier. This is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of getting all the beautiful toys and then never using them. But the big question is, does it come in blue? You can have any color you want as long as it's black. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot there, Lucius. Yeah, thanks a lot there, Lucius Fox. Yeah. <clears throat> Actually, that was uh, uh, Ford. Oh, okay. All right. The original. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, uh, uh, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, folks. This week we are talking about an, an issue that's come up in my campaign and probably a lot of other campaigns, especially ones that have a large technological base or has a lot of gear in it. And that is, how do you get your players to actually use the stuff? So, uh, uh it came up in my Bureau 13 game where the players are, you know, apparently just don't understand what level of gear should be available. I always thought of Bureau 13 as basically having all the gear that you see in any James Bond movie, you know, including like, you know, watches that fire laser beams that can cut through steel doors, uh, you know, uh, uh, cars that could be automatically uh, controlled and driven from you know, either inside the car or you know um, uh, or outside the car, uh, drones. Um, I don't know stuff that can eat through stuff. I mean you know or sh or or something a, a, a patch you can stick up on a, on a on an armored glass window and it'll send out a, a signal and, and and shatter the whole thing so you can go through. What it, you know whatever it might be you know the you know they they've been coming out with cool gear for like the James Bond films, for literally 40, 50, I don't know, was it 75 years? I can't even know how long it's been. Uh, let's see, the 60s? Yeah, we're talking 60 years, I think, that franchise has been going, yeah. Bureau 13 uh, and other games of its ilk, you know, and, and, and by that, let me let me just mention some other ones, okay? Uh, Shadowrun or yeah. Cy Cyberpunk, uh, almost any space game, uh, yeah, or a game that involves, you know, having to, you know, survive in hostile environments and you need certain gear to do so. Uh, you know, obviously not, you know, even in your medieval fantasy games, I mean, come on, how many characters have are the sum of their magic items and not their stats? Oh, yeah, 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 where you just, your fighters all have the plus five plate mail, and your thieves all have cloak and boots of elven kind. Yeah, yeah. Right, so, you know, and the thing is, is that there are 500 pages of additional pieces of equipment that your character could have, but nobody is using them, okay? And so we want to talk about, you know, how how to... 
how to do that. Try to figure out maybe utilize some way of, of of making the characters, you know, more will the players more willing to in, invest these items into their characters to enhance their characters. Because you know we're not talking about raising the power level, okay? Though in some ways that's necessary because if you the GM are assuming a certain power level of the characters based upon their gear and everything else and they come and they basically come to the gunfight with a knife then there's going to be problems okay or they don't understand how things work you know uh you know how hacking works they think it's like uh, in the movies where the person just flips open a laptop and does a little dilly 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 across the keyboard and i'm in <laughs> it's like you know Sometimes that's the way it is, but I'm just saying is that is they then say, well, yeah, but I'm actually like going through cyberspace with a la with a with a Dell laptop, and we're not bad mouthing Dell here. It's no, just, anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Right, and, right, right. So uh, I I always like the one show uh, VR five, where the girl basically picks up a, a handset, like not even a cell phone. We're not going to handset from Ma Bell, sticks it up to her ear, and she's in virtual reality space full-blown fidelity she's wearing new clothes everything else and later on in the series they said well what what happens is is that there's a carrier wave that's being transmitted by through Ma Bell I mean it's, it's and essentially what happens is is that your brain does a uh, a handshake with it and suddenly your brain is connected to some monster server somewhere that's able to do this VR space, okay? And and it's not you. I mean, you know, your your brain has to decode it, but it's only certain people can do it anyways. So that works. And, you know, it's not Ma Bell actually doing it, you know, and it's, it has nothing to do with the phone system other than the fact it has to be able to transmit this tone, which is inaudible, by the way. Uh, you know, and, 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 you know, and at the time it seemed crazy talk, but then we all went out and got modems, remember those things? And they had, and they, and they had like, well, we're doing this on like five channels, only two of which you can hear. The other ones are higher frequency than you can hear, but the, but the system can send it through the phone lines. It's still possible and get picked up by the modem. So we get like 12 times the throughput that we got before when you only had one or two, you know, tones going. And we're all like, oh, but we, and we can't hear it. They said, no, you can't, but it's still doing it. And we're like, oh, tricky. So anyways, that was kind of like what VR was like, but um, but I really thought that was cool because it was like you, you, they, 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 they actually came up with a, a, a fairly transparent rationale for how this thing was to work because otherwise it was just, you know, like magic time. You know, I put the phone up to my head and suddenly I'm in VR space and anybody who knows anything about computers knows about, you know, you know what was available then versus what's available now that's required to do anything close to any kind of realistic looking rendering. So, in real time. And you're just watching this going, no, stop, no. Right. But they came up with a reasonable explanation, which I thought was very impressive of them to doing that, because most shows wouldn't even bother to do it. They just would have said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm in. <laughs> that's all. So, <clears throat> all right. So, anyways, that's what we're talking about. And um, so... Um, uh, 
I, I would say that the number one thing, I, I was trying to think of where would we start to even talk about this, okay? I mean, first of all, the first thing is, is that you as the GM has to know what gear is available. You have to understand it enough to basically give it to your players. Well, yeah, set, set a certain hard limit on, okay, we can do tech all the way up to here, and if necessary, codify it. That's why I use something like for D20 Modern and Future. You had the PL chart from zero to nine. And I would say, okay, we can work up to PL seven. You know, and I, and I'll, I would give my players an example. Okay, we're in PL five, the information age. We use computers. We have a worldwide network of communication. Once we hit cold fusion, we begin in the fusion age where genetic engineering starts happening and we have fusion reactors instead of fission. And then once gravity induction engines start up, we're in the gravity age and we have things like, you know, hover, you know, anti-grav hovercraft and also star flight becomes a little easier. So I not only set the hard limit, but I also codify it at what times the levels change. And it, it's worked out for my players. Once I explain those hard pat, you know, uh, what's the plateaus. Okay, once you get to this point, you go to the next plateau. It's gotten really easy for my players to learn tech because they'll just ask, okay, this type of particular thing, what is it? And I'd look it up and say, okay, it's this PL. Because these sciences have already been established in the campaign right but you also made a big point before we talked about this that there's the the firmly in pl whatever but you could still go into the next pl level but the but the gear is going to be experimental yeah because it's all prototype stuff new technology and it's also going to be more expensive right right yeah but, but see that's an important point to say you're not limited to just this you can still get some other stuff, but it's going to be. You will pay through the nose. Well, yeah. or it may be, it may fail, you know, or it may be yeah. limited or you, you know. Like a limited battery life or whatever. It you... may just be purpose built that after you use it five times, it it, it, it turns into a shower of sparks and, 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 and uh, hot metal, you know, this. These sorts of, th or it, it, even the more fun part is, is that you know the the uh, the shield generator. Oh, it consumed itself. <laughs> just kind of, yeah. like, just kind of folded in on itself and disappeared. Everybody now has radiation burns. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put a little bit of risk in, not just you know a risk to your pocketbook, but say that you know you roll on a you know like the the Pathfinder technology guide. You roll on the glitch table. Okay, you're going to use this, but you know you need to roll a percentile, and there's a chance that it may either work too well or be a catastrophic failure. It's time to roll. Right, right, but but you don't want to make it so negative that right. they're afraid to use the piece of equipment. See, that's you know that's one of the things. So, um, uh, so like I said, so the first thing is is that you as a GM have to know how to do it. And, and frankly, I don't think, that, uh, I need more information. I mean, you said that like, for example, in Bureau 13, uh, they're not in the gravity age. They're up to the gravity age. And then with the gravity age being the, uh, prototypes, right? Uh, 
I'm trying to remember. I know it was PL7. I'm trying to remember if that was, it was firmly in PL7. Yeah, because, uh, you know, not, uh, up till now, nobody's been running around with hovercraft in, in Bureau 13. Yeah, I think uh, PL7 was, is when you're getting into the really high level Ray Robertson, oh, this is all his good stuff. And yeah, and it's all the stuff that, Bureau 13's gotten from aliens and they got it from Unita, you know, off the fringe paths and time travelers and other dimensional travelers have given Bureau 13 various new technologies and Ray Robertson reverse engineers them and after a while hands them out to agents. Yeah. Right. So what I would do is, is that I would go and I would start making lists. I'd say, okay, you know, uh, and, um, uh, you know, in each of these categories, and uh, I published this in uh, Infinite Crossroads, this is, you know, when you go out, here's all the different categories of equipment that you should have. Protection, uh, offensive capabilities, communication, um, housing, you know, uh, so life support, you know, all these different things like that. And then, you know, and just say, okay, this is the stuff that you can get, no problem. Okay, from whatever agency you work for, or you can afford it. Okay, and then here's something that's available, but only you know, but you might have to roll for it, or maybe only one person gets it, and, and not everybody gets it, or it might be limited use. You know that that you know cutting edge stuff, and just you know, and just have like two different examples for each thing. So, you know, uh, for example, you might have a. Uh, uh, Oh, uh, you might have like walkie talkies that are, you know, good for five miles. All right. And this is definitely farther back technology. Okay. But you might also have a device that can fire up into the air and produce a, and act as a microwave tower. So now you have a hundred mile cell tower radius. Well, I mean, I mean, 50 mile radius, which is normal for cell towers, by the way, they have a 50 mile radius. Uh, okay. And they inter, you know, interlock with each other. But the point is, is that, you know, so you don't have to be that close to a cell tower in order for you to get a signal. You know, and, uh, and if you were to launch something in the air and it produces a balloon and hangs from the bottom of it and it runs for, I don't know, t two or three days, then that's probably more than enough time to do whatever you want to do. You know, and, um, and, and so if you have that, then you have that available to you. You know, and I remember back when we were doing Infinite Crossroads, we kept bringing out more and more gear that people were just like, oh, this is crazy stuff, you know. And I'm like, no, it's, it's, it's prototype stuff that would be normal stuff when you guys go out there and you should start using it. You know, and that was always a problem with Richard's stuff uh, and Tritax stuff was the fact is that they were always falling behind the technological curve. So, you know, which unless they were doing something really, really high science, uh, yeah. which was um, incursion. You know, nothing, yeah. nothing incursion was ever a problem because it was Star Trek level, you know, and that's how I described it. I said... Yeah, the Anshani, the Ardana knew it's God tech, yeah. Well, it's not even God tech. It's really Star Trek tech. Yeah, just minus, you know, transporters and stuff. But yeah, you know, it's got replicators. And they, got, they got walls that, you know, that you can go through if you've got the right kind of badge on. Yeah. They've got lift engines... They got, you know, things like that that, you know, when you walk, when you, when you're looking at the show or whatever, you see people pushing around big, big piles of stuff on a little flatbed is just floating, 
Okay, that's that's basically the equivalent of a shanty lift te lift technology and and, you know, and, and all the different and, and the auto docks and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I'm just saying is that 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 was never a problem because that was so we, that was nothing was catching up to that anytime soon. But everything below that, it always seemed like they were we were having issues getting caught up. So that's what I'm saying. So you need to, and of course you you also need to know wh which era your game's in. Okay, because if you are doing in the near future, this is where you're going to run into that cutting edge problem. Okay, if you're running something in the 60s, well, it's a lot easier to say this is what you got. And they're like, well, can I have this? No, that wasn't invented for 10 years after that or yeah, you know, something yeah. like that. So, but you have to know what gear is available in the, uh, in, in the in environment, in the uh, setting that you've decided to set your game. Yeah, I have. For me, I have two ways to determine where you can write this down and you have it there. Okay, these are the technologies and these are the levels that I have in this campaign. Now, one of them is from the Second World Source book. Folks, you know I use the crap out of this still for, even though I'm in Pathfinder 1E, remember OGL, Pathfinder, it's all the same. So the rules work. And they have their theory advance tree where it's, it's a flow chart. And you have arrows, you know, like two or three might connect to this new one. And you can plot out your settings tech level. Heck, you could plot out cultures within that settings tech level. Let's say, okay, fantasy setting. You can plot out, this is the general tech level of the land. These things cannot be discovered because let's say magic prohibits them. These things are discovered. You put a check in the box. These things have yet to be discovered but can be, and maybe even through player intervention, you leave those uh, blanks open on the flow chart. So you could have, yeah, so you could sit there and have, let me get to the page here. Uh, you could sit there and have, okay, uh, basic chemistry is one of the beginning things. And in the chart, it leads to both expert chemistry and Electricity, how you go about generating and storing electricity. That's in the chemistry cluster. Then down in the alchemy cluster, cluster bleh, basic chemistry actually comes from alchemy. Now, alchemy and codified magic, you know, wizard as opposed to sorcerer, those merge into magical alchemy. And that's all the stuff like your tinder sticks, your tanglefoot bags, your sun rods. And then, you know, one, you know, go back to the chemistry cluster. Oh, expert chemistry. Expert chemistry would be your stuff like plastics. So this flow chart, I mean, and you can even do techno magic where it's like, oh, if you have bronze working and harness elemental fire, you can do something akin to thermodynamics, you know, techno magic steam stuff, you know, like your clockwork golems and all that. So, I mean, that's a way with the checks and the X's through stuff that your setting just will not allow, you can plot out how your tech is. Now, the other way I use it, and I've learned to incorporate these in Equatum, it is for Pathfinder, and it was just here. Ah, it is from Fat Goblin Games, Call to Arms, Fantastic Technology. Now, they don't do the progress level, like, OGL, D20, D Modern, uh, D20 Modern, D20 Future. They don't use that. They have things called tiers and disciplines. The tiers go from zero to five, and each of the tiers have 
anywhere from like five to eight disciplines. You have the, uh, we'll do what they consider the core Pathfinder role playing game, which would be in PL PL two, the medieval age, going into PL three, the age of reason, Renaissance tech, and you have these five disciplines. Agriculture, architecture, mathematics, metallurgy, and woodworking. In order to have these, and and these plug into the ultimate kingdom, uh, the ultimate campaign kingdom building rules for Pathfinder, uh, you have to have a library in your kingdom just to store knowledge. But once you get all five of those technologies, you get a bonus, and then you are considered in the clockwork age, and that's where you start getting into like pre-steam, you're fully into um, the Renaissance era. And let's see, agri-science, engineering, physics, chemistry, and biology. And so these later disciplines, like engineering, it's architecture and mathematics from the tier zero. So you can sit there and plot out exactly. And like Bruce said earlier about, oh, Offensive capability, defensive capability, communications, travel. GURPS does this as well. GURPS will sit there and break down their tech levels by about four or five different um, subjects or, or types of technology. So you might have a very high communications and medicine, but if it's a pacifist society, their weapons are going to be still down low. And it's just how they're raised. Oh, we learn healing and all this, and we don't fight. And so their armor and weapons will be relatively low. But their communications, like their computers and their medicine, you know, like, oh, it's all holistic healing and we can do this, that, and the other. Those are going to be relatively high. So you can do just, okay, it's a tech level across the board. And that's more of the D20 modern and future scale. Or you can do... uh sub tiers or like tiers uh, tiers and disciplines from fantastic technology where yeah you're at this level and you now have these other disciplines from the next level it's not enough to get to that next tier but you've got all of tier zero and part of tier one and if you just look at what is there you and you have a decent sense of history oh yeah that's about renaissance level technology maybe 1500s 1600s era because you're also, you know, chemistry is where you start getting into gunpowder and fireworks and the early firearms in Pathfinder uh, Ultimate Combat. So, yeah, things like this are a very good way for a GM to set exactly. This is the level of tech I have in this campaign. These are the types of devices, weapons, armor, what have you, that my players will be able to have access to. And this is stuff that you're doing when you're plotting out a campaign. You know, they're all the various things, setting and the place and the magic. But these are good ways to make sure that your technology base is clear. There, Yeah, clear. Everything's out in the open. You tell the players and this is what they have. I mean, you're not usually building this, okay? Unless, of course, you're doing something like Fringeworthy where you're building a whole new, a whole alien world for you to go explore, okay? But I'm just saying that in, in the games that we're, we're talking about where you're going out there, um, you know, this kind of stuff should be understood. You know, this is extant. 
Um, you know, and so the players should have, know what's available to them to equip themselves with to, you know, to do these kinds of things. Uh, and, and, and certainly no, using this, uh, these, these guidelines and such can help you understand. So when your players ask the simple question of, hey, can I do this? Or is this piece of equipment available or whatever? You don't have to hem and haw and say, uh, well, I don't know. I'll have to look it up or yeah, but it's going to be like, you know, I mean, if it is going to be something that is uh, a prototype, fine. But, I mean, if it turns out that, you know, Walmart is selling it, <laughs> okay, yeah. you, that's been done to me. <laughs> Where I said, no, I don't think that's available. And they all said, well, I, I can buy one at Walmart. I just don't have the 150 bucks for it. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right, and, and and most of these games we're talking about, these are like you know, like let's say James Bond type equipment, super science, whatever, magic. You know, these are things that are cool, to, uh, should be cool to have. All right, you know, so that's so so you should know whether or not you can give it to them, and you know what you know, and and, and frankly, if you give them too much, it's probably not going to kill your campaign. All right, it'd be better just if you're having a problem where you want people to use equipment and you don't know whether it's it's a little too advanced, do it anyways because you know it adds the coolness factor that you know oh, okay yeah I, I, you shouldn't you shouldn't have that but I guess you have a prototype that means you're really on the cutting edge wow look good go you you know and and make them feel good about having it rather than saying oh I'm gonna have to take that away from you now because I shouldn't have given it to you in the first place. So we don't want to do that. Be, we want to encourage them to use new gear and stuff. All right, so the second thing uh, is, and I hate using this phraseology because we keep using it, and that is you've got to know your, you got to know the characters, okay? The characters should have equipment that they are, that makes sense for them, all right? And especially if they're, if they're a hacker, you know, they should have the ability to hack stuff. Okay, if they're um, a su you know a super soldier, then their armor should you know have special stuff. And we had one guy who basically said, "I, I watched this show, uh, this movie uh, called Lost in Space, and this guy had this thing like a, a collar around his neck, and he just clicks it, and it basically unfolds and wraps around his head as 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 a helmet." And you know he's basically shooting people, and 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 he's totally uh, nothing can like attack his face because he's wearing this full blown helmet with his own air supply and something else because he's a soldier from the future. And I want that. And I said, well, that's cool because you can have that. <laughs> Just said that, you know, was, because yeah, the guy, the, the character was ja the player was jazzed to have their character have it. And I'm like, okay, you know, um, but. Uh, and there's a big but there, and that is is that uh, a lot of times players are trying to make their characters invulnerable. Yeah. And that is a mistake. You know, you should certainly make them resistant, but they sh it shouldn't be so good that nobody can ever mess with them. And because otherwise, you're going to be ending up trying to work, you know, work around, you know, their invulnerability to make them vulnerable and you know they're going to feel like you're working against them and you are okay so 
it, it, it's really, if you do give them something that seemingly makes them vulnerable, be real clear about saying, okay, so you need to understand this is what it's not going to protect you against. It's not going to protect you against gas attacks. If they're, you know, if you're like the one player I had yesterday who said, I want to have a, uh, a big warp in front of me and a warp behind me. And anything that comes to, to me just basically phases through me and comes out the other warp, you know, and uh, it's behind me. And it never touches me. So I'm invulnerable to all, like, people firing at me and stuff. And so and he answered, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. But that doesn't prevent uh, someone from basically running up, ducking under it, and sticking a shiv in your gut. Or, you know, uh, or emptying a MAC-10 into, into you or something like that. It doesn't prevent you, doesn't, it doesn't protect you from gas attacks. It doesn't prevent, uh, protect you from sonic attacks. And, and, you know, because those, any kind of area of effect attack is what I'm really trying to say. Anything that's targeting, sure, sure, because you have to, you have to have line of sight, line of effect. But anything that doesn't require line of effect, it's not going, it's not going to really help you. Uh, so that was basically, I told him he couldn't have it. Uh, because I thought it was a tech level above what we were doing in yeah. the game. But otherwise, if we were playing a more magical game, I would have said, yeah, sure. That's, uh, or I said I said to him, look, if you want to make this using magic, that's actually in the area of magic that you have available to you. I'm just saying technologically, I don't think that's available, you know, out of the, um, you know, tech services. So you got to make a decision then whether you want to try to get something like this made by somebody who's in that area, magical area. So and and the thing is, you're basically that it's along the lines of yes, you can have this, but I'm you know, and you're not doing it to be a jerk, but you're making the player jump through some hoops to make okay, you're going to do this, you're going to go through these things, you're going to plot this out. Yeah, if they're not invested, then why why would you bother giving it to them? Right, it's just oh, I don't want to be hurt. I just want to play with impunity. It's like, if your character doesn't have a flaw or a weakness, that's not a fun thing to do. And I mean, that's just yeah. learned from, you know, three, four decades of gaming. But that's but that's a that's a metagame concept, okay? Well, we, 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 have, we have somebody who basically doesn't want to get hurt, so therefore they want this piece of equipment. So you need to address their need, which is to feel safe while they're adventuring. Okay, and... And, and, and there are ways of, get, of doing that. I mean, if it's, if it's just a matter of you want to be really protected, wear three levels layers of body armor, okay? It's going to take, unless someone hits you with a 50 caliber, you know, uh, uh, rifle round, it's probably not going to get through that many layers. Problem is, then you got to let them know, you do realize that wearing that much body armor, your movement is restricted. Yeah. You're probably going to, yeah. Your jelly sucks. But that's okay because they're, they're they don't want to do anything anyways. They just want to walk along and 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 not get shot. So you know, yeah, like, <laughs> because that's all you're going to be doing is walking. There's not going to be much anything else going on. That's what they want to do. Then I guess that's fine. I mean, because I wanted this character to be the leader of the group, which does not mean that they went up front like a paladin. It meant that they were giving people, they were telling people what to do and giving suggestions and stuff to actually do stuff. And and if that means they have to feel safe while they're doing it, you know, then fine. I, 
You know, I have another character, another player who's even worse. Okay, he does. He's not even on site. He does everything through drones and remote. You know, uh, connections. He, he can't be more safe than not actually being there. Okay, you sounds like the character is, or the player is trying to portray him. And I'm probably overthinking this. He's portraying him. He want it, it's like, yeah, of course I don't want to get hurt, so I'm gonna do everything with drones and whatnot and Waldos and all that. But it, it sounds like he's trying to do uh, what the 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 fear of open spaces, where you're, yeah, agoraphobia, where he's gonna be in a little tight air and he doesn't want to be out in the open. So this is how he interacts with the outside. Right, right, and 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 so if you as a as a GM don't understand that, you don't understand that that's a major part of the character. Uh, or if you're downplaying it, then you know you 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 get all this pushback from the from the player and the frustration from the player. And you're like, I don't know why you won't you know get in there and be like Rambo. Because they're like, I don't want to be Rambo. I don't want that. I want to be something else. And I'm like, okay. So you need to you need to understand the character so you can give them the gear that they need in order to do the things that they want to do. Okay. So and it could be as simple as like, okay, so you need more drones. Okay, you need specialized drones. So these drones are, are go go through wall, you know, can can fly through um, uh, air tunnels, um, you know, ventilation shafts. But they can't like you know rip a door off its hinges. You're gonna need another kind of thing to do that sort of thing. So you may they maybe they need more. Let's say they maybe need more gear, you know, and you need to make it available to them in order for them to do that. And you know. And, and and that character, by the way, loves uh, drones. So you know that's that's good. It's the other character that wants to you know be there in person, but invulnerable is the one I'm currently having the problems with. So yeah, I, I yeah. need to I need to help him figure out how to be able to do that because he's he spends more time poo pooing ideas because he doesn't want, because they're dangerous. And I'm thinking that you know if he felt totally safe about this would you go ahead and do it and if that's the answer is yes then that's clearly what the problem is it, it, the problem isn't the tactic the problem is that is the, the tactic endangers in, in his character yeah and see that that goes into okay you're playing this game you know full well that there is quite the element of danger in bureau 13 yet you don't want to be hard why are you having this character in this game when you know there is a better and average chance that bodily harm is going to come because to you. it's a sock puppet for the player and just yeah <laughs> the and, player and, doesn't want to be endangered either <laughs> you know if you if you if you invest yourself in your character and your character is about to die or he thinks he's about to die th this is where and 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 those of you who know my title on dementia radio dementia radio's resident malicious prick I would hand, being the GM, I would just hand the player a large roll of bubble wrap and off a supply store and just say, this is what you, yeah, this is what you want. You want to be wrapped up where nothing can touch you, nothing can harm you, and you're playing a game where combat is a regular event. Yeah, but you're, you're also the guy who talks about neurodivergent people saying, you really need to cut them some slack. This is the way they are. You shouldn't try to change them. Okay, well. Yeah. It, it, it's, yeah, this is the whole, okay, but, you know, this character doesn't want, but you know you're going to be in combat. So there, that this is where you're going to have to sit down with this player and really 
Yeah, and just okay. How are we going to do this? How are we going to come to a happy medium? Where... Exactly. You need you need to talk about the character, but you but ultimately, it, it, as I was to say, the third point is you got to know the players. Again, I hate that term because we always say it, you know. And this is what is it that jazzes the players? Are they playing the wrong character? Okay. It, yeah. And that is quite possible they are. Okay. Uh, or yeah. You know, or is this the perfect uh, character for this player? I have. I have an example for this. Uh, the Star Trek, the Kelvin universe on the fringe pads for what? Because we love the Mandalorian and she loved the armor character. Okay, I want to play the armor. Well, I put the Star Wars node five away from that Kelvin node. Yeah, the Termellon that you hung out with picked you up on the way. That, fine. Problem is, those of you who have heard the episodes with my girlfriend on it, how can I put this about Miss Spore? She has no problem with self expression. And she's playing a Mandalorian armor that doesn't talk a lot. After a while, she got bored with the character and switched to my Friday game. So, yeah, it was just something she was enamored with that concept. But, yeah, she didn't get to do witty lines and snark and all this. And I'm, we're, I'm going, yeah, if you want to bow out, yeah. just So, yeah, know your player, know your character. Yeah. That, that, and, and, and it's not a problem about knowing your player. I mean, I, I'm not seeing the problem with the term. Why you're kind of uh, about the term "know your player," Bruce? Right. So you know, it, it, this this is a, a a delicate dance, you know. But see, you know, and, and really, you know, it comes down to is it you know they, uh, uh, you know, you you've got to understand the tech, you know, that is available. You have to understand what kind of tech would be advantageous for the characters that they're playing. Okay. And then you have to understand the players to make sure that the players can understand the tech. Because if I get somebody who's like, and I, I'm not saying this to insult them, okay, somebody who's basically a sociology major, and I, and, and the, I hand them a hacker character, they're probably not going, unless we basically turn this into... Uh, VR space where the the uh, you know the, the 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 firewall they're trying to get into is being represented by somebody that they can negotiate with, that <laughs> they're not going to be able to do that because it's not something they have any understanding for. But they want to be able to do it because someone someone told them that hey, being a hacker is cool. You get to break into stuff and you get to do cool stuff. And I'm like, okay. Uh, so it's it's hard sometimes. Yeah, it's it's what I would tell Pixie all the time about a lot of stuff. Know your audience. Players and characters, yeah. Because I've had to do that also with some other players where, especially in the era of hacking, because they were like, this is what I see, I think of when I think of hacking. And he says, what is this do you think of when you're doing hacking? And, you know, m most of it was okay, but there were some things that were like way over... And this is why I introduced um, the uh, what I call the awesome skill that your character has. Okay, and it's like totally unrelated to any of the other skills that they may have. This is your awesomeness, and it basically it's treated like a skill. And what you do is you say, okay, if I want to do this, this this difficulty. If I want to do this, it's this difficulty. So, you know, and it, we don't, we, we totally hand wave all the other parts that are necessary. It's just like saying, this is what I want my character to do, and this is what I want my character, 
you know, and, and this is how hard it is for my character to do it. And uh, some of these things I may have to work toward because, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, I may just be a beginning character, but I want to get there and I want to be able to do these things effectively once I'm there. So I'm like, okay, cool. And if we sit down and do that, and a lot of the, and a lot of the people in my campaigns have forgotten about this because they said, "Well, I'm a mage. Okay, well, here's all the rules for doing magic. Okay, you know, because it's got things like DLs for various things that they might want to do. But then they say things like, "Okay, I'm a super driver." I'm like, "Okay, fine. What is it that you can do with a car that you think is super awesome?" And they're like, "I can drive really fast." Uh huh. And I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's like I can avoid, you know, when, so, when somebody goes and like tries to cut me off, I can swerve around them or something. I, you know, I said, okay, so like a bootlegger reverse maybe, or, and you might have to sit down and, you know, and, and, and you know, work out with them. I'm giving you an example of a skill, but I'm just saying is that tech is the same way. It's like, if I give you this piece of tech, you'll be able to do this thing that you want your character to do, okay? And and, it, and a lot of times it, it solves a lot of the problems because essentially it's the guaranteed success thing. You know, you I hand you this device, you're going to be able to hack in the NSA mainframe. I hand you this device, you're going to be able to communicate to, with somebody on the moon with no lag. I hand you this device and broken bones instantly mend themselves. I mean, it, if that's what it takes for their character to be the awesome character that, that, that the player wants their character to be, then we need to figure out a way of getting that piece of equipment into their hands. And, uh, but we need to know that they need to do it. We need to know that's the thing, awesome things they want to be able to do. And most players are terrible at, 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 at verbalizing this. Yeah. Well, a lot of times, oh, I, again, I hate to say this, and we're all guilty. We're all geeks. I mean, our, our methods of social interaction and trying to express ourselves are just not all that great to begin with. And, just, yeah, it, it's... It's kind of some for some of us, me raising my hand madly, it's how we're wired and for others it's just we're we're geeks. We're socially just yeah. But yeah, still it's I there are times I will have two, three, four hour long Skype calls with prospective players. I want to play this character. Fine, I'm like, uh devote an afternoon, we're gonna hash this out. I want to make sure that this character, what it can do, how it goes about doing it is as close to your concept as possible. I want no um, term looking for ambiguity. And there are times you may have to sit down with a player and you want to make sure that this character gets their awesome. And in a way that suits them, you still got to kind of keep it within the campaign again. And this is knowing the tech level. It's like, yeah, you're in the 1940s and you have God tech. No, that there, there are times that, Okay, that's not an option. Let's try this. And again, it's we're back to know your players, know know the characters. Um, yeah, it, it's I'm I'm seeing with the players that you mentioned. It's like, yeah, they and also a lot of times, yeah, like like you had said, Bruce, about um, oh yeah, play a hacker because it's cool. Ninety nine times out of a hundred, somebody wants to play a character 
because they've seen something like it in popular culture, TV, movie, book, whatever. Like, Fur wanted to play the Mandalorian armor. She thought it was cool. And then found out, wait a minute, okay, yeah, this character's not me. It's not something I can play comfortably. And and there are times you're going to go through characters, too. It's just cycling characters. Okay, this isn't working out. And then you just find a way to phase one out and bring in another. So, yeah, it's... This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.